Welcome to the Chuan Chuan Podcast, a bilingual podcast where every episode we use English and Chinese to explore various social, cultural, and contemporary issues in the aim of giving our listeners a useful tool to improve either or both their English or Chinese language ability. This is part two of the social media podcast. Really? Is that true? Well, what's the saying that you like to say, Lee? About uh, hard men and weak men. <laughs> hard times breed strong men. Strong men breed good times. Good times breed weak men. Weak men breed bad times. Yeah, exactly. So I, what I think happens is if you're super, super rich, your children become really, really, really lazy, and then after the third generation, that family has no more money, and the only reason why they're able to. Keep a hold of that money. Why there is a concept of generational wealth is because of taxation. It'll help because there's taxation. People learn about how to preserve wealth through dodging taxation laws and and stuff like this. But if there wasn't any taxation, I think most of these people would burn away their money. And that's why look at how many lottery winners end up being rich after they've won the lottery. It's very very few. No, I disagree. Do you know how many second generational rich, how many first generational rich individuals do not teach anything about how to make money to their children? It's almost all of them, because they don't. They、uh, none of these. Yeah, no, but that's what I'm saying, Sue. Like parents, extremely wealthy parents don't teach their children anything about how to manage their money. These kids don't know anything. They,、uh, if it, if it wasn't for taxation laws and that money being forcibly put into some trust fund or whatever, that money would all go. They would spend it like crazy, and that would get redistributed into the economy. It's like I, it's hard to believe until you you've hung around people like this. I yeah. No, but how? How? But we we live in a world of taxation. Every country taxes you. The only thing that you can be certain in life is taxes and death. Where are you, Sue? Wait. Oh, are you that in that? Can I say it? Ah,、uh, I mean, it's not going to get censored by China, but <laughs> I don't know about. I don't think you're going to get censored if you're in Europe. <laughs> about other countries. I think you're in the country that has one nuclear weapon. So you saying it or not? Oh, what was it? Yeah, I said it accidentally. <laughs> oh, yeah, Malta has one nuclear weapon, right? Nuclear weapon, nuclear. That's what. That's like a fact. That's probably something Max told me that I, you know, he likes. He used to like read knowing facts. But yeah, I heard from someone that Malta had one nuclear weapon. Malta. Okay, so Malta has very lax tax laws. So, what's it like to live there? Is the country falling apart? Somewhat. The government, the government can't evade tax. <laughs> no, they can't. They're the government. <laughs> It's not possible for them to evade tax, right? <laughs> okay. So I don't get what you. Why do you think that taxation has something to do with whether or not wealth gets passed down? 
through the generations. Because I think it's because of taxation, people find ways to avoid paying taxes. And one of the ways to avoid paying taxes is to find ways to pass on your inheritance to your next of kin through different uh, vehicles and instruments. But I think that if there wasn't any taxation or there was very, very lax taxation rules, people would fail to do all of that research. And because they failed to do all of that research, their next of kin would basically spend all their money. And that's why in the past they've been, they say, I mean, there's a saying in Chinese, which is, you know, wealth never passes three generations. And there has to be a reason why they have that saying. <laughs> why do they say wealth never passes three generations? If it's so, uh, obvious that once your once once generation gets wealthy their whole of their bloodline remains rich yeah there's some there's statistics about this right like a, a, a huge percentage of millionaires are first generational millionaires like the actual people who inherited their wealth is relatively less and i th i think part of the reason is you're probably right like taxation makes people more aware of it but the thing i don't understand about what you're saying is if there was no taxation and people just didn't think about it, then all that would happen is that when the parent passes away, then the wealth would just go to the child, right? Yeah. So, like, that's the only difference I could see. I but why would it make a difference on how the children behave with that money? Because sometimes when the wealth gets passed on to the next generation, there are certain covenants or certain rules put in place that don't allow the child to spend it free will. Oh, and one of the ways that, yeah, if you put it in a trust, for example, you put it in an investable fund, you may only be able to take X amount per year or something. But does that have tax to... benefits, putting it in a trust? Of course. Okay. Of course. It's like, uh, for example, if you own a company and you pay yourself through the company, you can structure it in a way where you can pay less tax. Also, you could structure it in a way where the money can go into the company and the company might be domiciled in a different country and therefore it doesn't need to pay capital gains tax or whatever. And you only pay it once you take the money out. I mean, there's loads of ways to do it. Like, I, I'm not a tax specialist, but there's a reason why a very wealthy people hire tax, tax specialists to set up all of these companies in different countries so that they can you know, extract the most wealth out of uh, what they've earned. Mm. So, Sue, do you still believe in equality of outcome? Or or let's not ask that. We left you with the question of, like, is it right to redistribute people's wealth? Do you have an answer for that now? So, wait, wait, we don't, we don't have to air quote it. We can just expand the example. So, let's take that silly example first. If all if everything was being equal and the only difference between the two people was the amount of effort they put in, do you think it's still right to redistribute the wealth? No, 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 it's not. It's not because we're, we're we're stripping away like it's almost like a not real life example because you wouldn't be able to do this in real life. I'm saying like we'll make the example more realistic later, but I just want to know for argument's sake, like twin, let's say twin brothers who grew up in the same family. So they, for, for like, you know, more or less, they have the same opportunities. So do you think that the, the richer um, brother should redistribute their wealth to the other one if they do like way better monetarily, for example? Okay, so what I hear, <clears throat> what I hear is that we need to test, give the 
pour a brother a test and see if he understands how to use money or not. And if he does or he doesn't, whether how well he does on that test decides if we give him the money or not. Okay, so so that means that how it works today, where we just give people welfare, you don't agree with that. Now let's let's just stick to like the the sort of like best case scenario, the happy path, as we say in tech. That's that's not welfare. Welfare is like uh, giving people housing if they need it, or giving people money monthly if they're out of work, uh, things like that. Okay, but do you think that that kind of help should require a test before we give out that money? Is that what happens? They give people a, a test to see what they're going to do with the money? Lee, what's the social safety net like in Taiwan? As far as I know, it's not anything like it is in the UK. Yeah, China is very, very minimal too. And the one thing I can say is that there's a lot of Chinese people that are not homeless, <laughs> in, at least in the big cities. Yeah, probably same. in the there's villages, but that's less, for different reasons. There's way less homeless people, I'd say, in Taiwan than in London. And I think that people in China, they work freaking hard. I mean, people work like, I mean, 40 hours a day is like the minimum, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And... No, I mean, I mean, there are people who live like three, four, five people in a room just to survive, but they do it in the in the hope that they will have a better future, and that's because the social safety net is so low that that that's what they're forced to do. But you know, the opposite of what they're. Doing, I know I'm not saying that their conditions of living is it's good because it's not good, but. If you look at a country where there's a lot of social benefits, you know, the opposite is we have people who don't want to work. They choose not to work because they earn more in benefits. So I, I, I don't know, like me personally, I, I would prefer the former to the latter, that people work to survive rather than rely on somebody else. But that's everywhere, isn't it, Sue? Sue, this is so painful to listen to. <laughs> You come from an example of low taxes and no welfare being good, basically coming from a good out, providing a good outcome. But you still, that's apparently like you don't care about that. You still think that taxation and like a lot of welfare is good. So I guess my question is why? Why? Like, yeah, why? Why? So I don't know, I think it's very hard to find an example of where welfare has been successful at its goals. But, okay, so what happens in Sweden? <laughs> but do they have loads of people that are just stuck on welfare, like we do in the UK and America? They actually, they actually do, Lee. They have a, I mean, I know a lot of people who go to Sweden with the intention not to work. Because they know that even without work, they can survive. Okay. But so they also, but they also, I mean, Sweden also has a lot of, the Swedish government is actually, one thing that they do well is the natural resources. I think they have all of these state-owned companies and all of the profits go back to the government and then the government then redistributes it to its people. Okay. So we have examples of where it works and where it doesn't. So that kind of, is not helpful, I guess. I guess, but the, it's also it's not 
it's not fair, right? Because there's so much, uh, like Sweden has its own special properties that allows it to do what it can do. It's like Alaska has its oil fund and it gives its residents, I don't know, a couple of thousand dollars a year because it makes profits from selling its oil. And so it can redistribute that money to its citizens. Mm. And not every country can do that. But if you're talking about redistributing of wealth, you know, in Sweden, they don't really have a redistribution of wealth because everyone is, uh, you know, not very rich and not very poor. Like inequality is very, very flat there. Because of their taxes, right? Yeah, like their taxes don't allow innovation. So Sweden is not a very innovative country. That's why I have uh, a friend of mine. He left Sweden just for this reason. He said, as an entrepreneur or a businessman, you cannot thrive in uh, Sweden. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm more interested in like the equality of opportunities and equality of outcome thing. And I suppose what we've discovered is that we can find examples both ways of redistribution of wealth working or not working. But the, the more important question is, is it fair, right? I think you just touched on that a second ago. So, Sue, is it fair to redistribute wealth? Yes, it's fair to redistribute wealth, yes. Even if... So, we didn't get an answer to this this question. Like, I, I go into the woods and chop up a bunch of trees and just build a house. Should I give away 20% of that to someone else to come and live in that needs a place to stay? Uh Uh-huh. Is that fair to me? Is that fair to you? Yes, because you let him stay at your house. Like No, no, I didn't want to. Oh, you, the government came him? along and forced me, or people, people like, like you came and forced me to. Mm. Is that fair on you? Uh, mm. No, it's not fair on you, no. Okay, so there are certain circumstances where redistribution of wealth is not fair. Yes, exactly. However, if I was to counter your argument here and say that if you... When you say the force, you mean like at gunpoint, then no, because that's that's fucked up. You cannot force someone at gunpoint to take someone into their house. But, but if all, explain- all government action is at gunpoint, like ultimately, because if you keep refusing the government, you're going to end up in jail. Well, yes, but there are alternatives to that as well. For example, don't live in that government regime, like move somewhere else that's more like palpable for you. Um, with a government regime that like you agree with a little bit more. Um, so it's, it's not like the whole world is, <laughs> it's like that. No, but really. move, move somewhere else is a bit of a, a cop out, I would say. Like, and in reality, you can't move somewhere that doesn't have a government with taxation anyway. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like not part of the argument. Say you can't move. Um, we're, we are, as a society are trying to decide like how we should run the country. And we're saying that we're going to force people who have, and there's no money, right? It's just very primitive society. We're going to say um, anyone, let's say there's even no houses. And we're just going to say, okay, anyone who actually bothers to go and build a house, well, we're going to take 20% of it. And then who's going to make the first move to go and build a house? Because everyone's going to be like, well, I don't want to give away 20% of my house. I'm going to wait for someone else to go and build a house and take 20% of their house. 
that's quite a, a black and white question though because it's like I like tax is not just tax at the end of the day like for example like I chose to leave the UK because yes the taxes there are very high but I, I don't mind paying high taxes, but I th feel like in the UK, the taxes are not used properly. Like it's used. See, you're killing me. You're killing me. Because one, you come from Singapore. <laughs> Two, you moved because of taxes. No. <laughs> you're killing me. What? Yeah, tell me, tell me. No, you're just, your, your actions speak very loudly. Put it that way. <laughs> Why? No, because like I, I don't mind paying taxes, but if the taxes is going on like military or if it's going on like paying pensions, like, okay, I don't mind. Obviously, all people need to live like, but like things like paying for a war that we never like agree to. I, I don't agree with that. Like, I don't agree with paying land tax. Yeah, it's always going to be like that soon. Yes, I know. It's but always going to, you're, you're like supporting, uh, a system that's always going to be not in your favor. I know. Well, no, that's, but that's not the, the issue. Like, so for example, if I were to live in a country where I paid a lot of tax, but I know the tax was going into like education or like, um, bettering a society where, you know, like middle class people have more access to becoming like, you know, like richer or like growing the economy basically. Then yes, I wouldn't mind living there. So it's not the issue of. So what, what's the difference between you forcibly being asked to pay tax and you choosing to pay for the causes that you would like to donate to? What's the difference? That's, that's not, a, is, is it really a cause that I'm donating to though? <laughs> you just said that you wouldn't mind paying for education. You wouldn't mind paying for this or that. That would help the middle class become more wealthy, but you could choose to do that. You don't need to be forced to do it. You can't do that in the UK, like, because the government policy... No, in the UK, I'm saying in a in another economy where there is no taxes, but there are all of these causes that still exist and people are running all of these organisations. And rather than pay taxes, you can choose where you would like to donate your money. Wouldn't that be preferable than you being forced to pay taxes? Uh, yeah, to me personally... Yes, that would be more preferable. Yes, but then that would that then mean that some months I don't pay tax, or is it just the case of like, I mean, from from what I yeah, some months you don't pay tax. You you pay tax when you feel like you can pay tax. Why it's not right? I don't I don't understand why. If it's not if it's so not right, then surely if you were in this world where you didn't have to pay tax because you think it isn't right for you not to pay taxes every month you would choose to pay taxes every month i i would pay tax every month because it's yeah yeah you, i mean not taxes you would choose to contribute every month because you think that's the right thing to do yeah so then it's it's fine right you're 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 you're, you're better off because you get to choose where you will con contribute your money and you do it out of your own choice you're not forced to do it by some other entity yeah so wouldn't that be better Yes, that would be better, yes. So yes. therefore, it's better to not have taxes, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're creating an anarchist, well done you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's tax is very complicated because it's, it's just a tool in society that the government uses to like 
to manage an economy, right? So... No, it was a tool created by the royal families to control its people. That's why taxes were created and invented. It was a tool for kings to control their subjects. Yes, that, initially that's where it came down from. But, I mean, you know, let's, like, minus Meghan Markle and, like, Prince Harry now, like, what, what influence does the royal family have these days apart from be, just being no, there? Like, no, that's not what I'm saying. You have to understand that the concept of taxation came from tyranny. And to say that the usage of taxation isn't for tyrannical purposes, I think it's very short-sighted, in my opinion. Right. Yes, but... um... People who, who can control where your taxation can go have a lot of power and a lot of incentive to maintain that we still have high tax rates because they, therefore, can control and influence the subjects of the people that they are taxing. Whereas if the, if this choice was left to the people, then we would see a radically different outcome for society and for the people. Uh-huh. So the purpose of tax is to meet political agen- agenda, right? But I mean, that then that then leads to the question, is there ever an agreeable political agenda? Because technically speaking, we'll always be controlled by a government, but it doesn't have to be that way. So what I think is that you're, and like, we probably all have, like, had this, but we're so used to the uh, government existing that, like, we can't even think about it not being that way, right? And maybe that's because in the past, there just wasn't a technology to to even think about anything different, right? Like, we have representatives, MPs who go to parliament and vote on our behalf. Well, you can see why in history we needed that, because it would be impossible to get millions of people to vote on something. But perhaps we have the technology to do that now. And so maybe we can start to think about different ways of, of doing things. And so yeah. it is important to start to ask, like, is, is it fair that the government forces us to, to pay a certain amount, right? And it's not a small amount. Like, depending on what you're earning, it can be like 40%, right? And so... It's important for people to understand that that is at gunpoint. You don't have a choice. Like, people are going to physically come and throw you in jail if you refuse. And we are creating systems like this. Uh, There are things called decentralized autonomous organizations, which have been created to manage different projects. And although they're not complex enough to run a country, but you can imagine if they continue to evolve at the pace that they are evolving at, we could soon create a system that can govern a country. We just need to support and fund initiatives like this. That's why I, I, I wouldn't bring it back to cryptocurrency because, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of people look at cryptocurrency and they just see it as a, a quick rich scheme. But I don't see it like this. And I don't know about you, Lee, but I see it as an ideology, an ideology that we can change systems to bring the power back to the people oh yeah i see the the key innovation is like the the way it allows you to trust it allows people to trust strangers basically and so it facilitates like a lot more collaboration than than was possible um previously 
And so it gives us an opportunity to like reimagine all of our, our systems, basically. But this then brings us back to the initial question, right? Like what, what isn't to say that these decentralized platforms aren't going to turn into the next like Facebook or anything like that. So, so I can try to, so I think, I think of this as like Lord of the Rings and, um, like power is like the ring, right? The ring basically represents power and how no human, the reason why they have to give the ring to a non-human is because no human can resist that power. And so what that means is that like, as long as we have centralized organizations, no human is going to be able to resist that power and use it for, in ways that don't benefit society or like, you know, enforce their own personal opinions like Facebook does. And so the thing about a decentralized organization or network or system is that we just, we basically give the power to the Hobbit. Like the Hobbit is the, the cryptocurrency. And so no human has that power. And then, and then the problem is just solved uh, like that. So, okay. So then this then leads to the question, right? Do you think that it's inherent in human nature to want and seek power? I know some people are that way, like more sort of that way inclined and some people are I believe so, yeah. I think that's why that story is so powerful because it's speaking to something that is part of human nature. Yeah, and you know the saying, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. And we'll, ne- we'll just never solve that problem. So we may as well, that's what's so great about cryptocurrencies. We just sidestep that problem and just don't give the power to anyone. But what about those people that, you know, are so power hungry and seek power so much that they don't join the platform and they just form a completely different militia group outside of this platform? Wouldn't that cause more divisions? People only get power if they're given to it by other people. Like power isn't something you can do on your own. It requires like other people to participate, right? So they would have to convince enough people to to follow their cult or whatever and they will do anything to do that right but i think it's not power isn't given to them like like my opinion anyway is like if you want it enough like human beings are quite resourceful in that way and if you're that way inclined and if you want power that much you go out and seek it yourself and that's why that doesn't mean you will get it Oh, it does. You don't get power just by seeking it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a two-way thing. And yeah, I, some people think that if you try hard enough, you can get it. Like, And people who are like a little bit in the middle on the fence kind of thing, like if they fall into the wrong kind of, uh, you know, like ideology or agenda, then they, they end up that way, right? And that's how they gain followers. I mean, like, we. I don't think, no, like, I think anyone who's ever, like, people like Stalin and Hitler or whatever, like, they're still really smart people, right? It's not like power is just there and you can just go and get it. And the other thing is, um, the only reason they can grab that power is because the rest of us have agreed to participate in whatever political system was going on at the time. And so, but we as people can also choose to not create those centralized systems, which are basically a ticking time bomb waiting for someone to come along who wants power because they, that, that person will come along eventually and misuse whatever uh, tools we've, we've built. So 
the, that's the thing about cryptocurrency. Like, aside from all the like up and down price going up and down and making money, the the more important thing about it is that we are. Uh, I've, I'm going to repeat myself, but yeah, we're basically sidestepping the problem of centralization and giving s- a small group of people too much power, or at least we're trying to, or moving in the direction which is away from that. <laughs> Maybe that's what a good do you place think to you see? We've we've gone over an hour anyway. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I would say just before we finish, you should do some research on this too, because uh, I think Lee and I we were also quite skeptical before we went down the rabbit hole and then we realized that this is a very integral part of the solution that is going to help society progress and you you kind of you have to do your own research to come to that conclusion but i think any sane per okay i don't wanna, <laughs> i don't want to offend anyone but a lot of people have come to the same conclusion as lee and i let's just say that yeah. yeah, and the last thing I would yeah. say is don't fall for governments saying they want to ban it for your safety because they do everything for our safety, good and bad. Like Hitler yes. wanted to secure lands for the safety of his people. So just don't pay attention to stuff like that. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's been a very interesting debate. I think um, it's... Uh, I mean... <laughs> It's one of those things where you kind of have to embrace the uncertainty behind it. And that's why I think a lot of people fear this, this like Bitcoin and Dogecoin and, and things like that. I mean, it's, it's only human nature to uncertainty. And so to build new platforms and for people not to think, Oh, is this going to be the next Facebook and never mind the next TikTok? Like, um, it's, yeah, it's, it takes a little bit of convincing. So um, also bearing that in mind as well, the, the whole concept of, of uncertainty and certainty uh, in this day and age, I think. And that's all. Okay, great. Uh, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you all next episode. Bye, guys. Bye. That's all we have for this episode. Please follow me on Twitter at yishontio that's y-i-e-s-e-a-n-t-e-o-h if you would like to support the show in any way for those outside of china you can donate money at paypal.me forward slash y-i-e-s-e-a-n-t-e-o-h or subscribe to me on patreon all the details are in the show notes below for those inside of china you can donate by scanning my weixin or jifubao qr codes below thank you so much for listening and we hope to see you all next episode and we also have a new facebook page facebook.com forward slash tuan podcast so please like and follow me there